Good afternoon and welcome to Todd's Time Travel here on Summer Valley FM. I'm back with Stephen Clues outside the Roman Baths Museum. Well, we're actually still outside Stall Street and we're going to be talking to you about an app that's called Underneath Your Feet, or Beneath Your Feet, <laughs> um, which is an app you can download yourself. Uh, it's all about what you can see in Bath where you're standing. So we're stood outside the Stall Street exit right now, or the Stall Street entrance, and uh, you will see that there is a peculiar symbol right in the centre of the pathway, and it is actually the World Heritage symbol, which um, Stephen will go to a slightly more explanation, but it is a significant uh, symbol to show how important Bath is and show it is a World Heritage city, and not just because of the Roman Bath, but because many of the things in Bath as well. So yeah, Stephen, thank you very much for joining me today. Hello, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, well, the uh, standing by the World Heritage symbol here uh, is particularly apposite at the moment because uh, it's only recently that uh, we've heard uh, that Bath has been given a double World Heritage designation. Uh, in addition to its uh, original inscription that goes back to 1987, uh, it, is it has now been inscribed again as one of the great spa towns of Europe, uh, which is uh, an international um, uh, grouping of spa towns that are a significance that uh, uh, refer to this uh, amazing episode in European history uh, when spa towns flourished across the continent and uh, it's in fact Bath is the only spa from Britain in the scheme uh, but uh, there are 11 altogether and when I give names like Baden-Baden, Carlsbad, uh, Vichy, uh, and so on, Montecatini in Italy. <laughs> uh, these, are, these are some of the other great spas that are a part of this uh, 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 designation. So, uh, uh, the, uh, and of course, standing here next to this symbol, we're just a few yards from what is going to be uh, the new World Heritage Centre. Indeed, yes. Um, which, uh, uh, we're hoping will be opening to the public in the next two to three months. Yes, yes. Uh, in York Street, just around the corner. Which will actually allow people to go beneath the city as well. Yes, that's, that's right. So, so um, uh, now the World Heritage Symbol here occupies an open space, but it hasn't always been an open space. And this is a point where in the 19th century, uh, an enormous fountain was uh, uh, set up in the middle of the road and uh, older listeners may even have some folk memory of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to the 1980s when it was removed. Um, and it was a point where you could actually sip uh, spa water in the street. Um, but it was all taken away to create space uh, in, uh, 1980s, in the 1980s and uh, uh, just, present, just provide us with this wonderful cobbled space here yes. at the end of Bath Street and gives us an uninterrupted view towards the pump room from the car crossbar, yeah. looking along Britain's only double colonnaded street. And of course, a wonderful view in the other direction as well from the pump room steps, uh, looking down towards the crossbar. Yes, indeed. So um, really opening up some of this significant uh, architectural heritage of the city. Exactly. Now, I think the, the main point of our interview today, Stephen, is that so many people like Edward Weekly walking past it will not know. They're roughly about 20 feet beneath, beneath them. 
will be all these amazing artifacts, which the World Heritage Center is um, is going to open up for people to see. Yeah. Well, um, the uh, just beneath your feet, uh, around here, uh, there is a Roman bath. Um, that can be seen from within the Roman bath site, but you wouldn't know it as you stand outside the Roman bath shop. Um, uh, you are literally standing over a Roman bath from the 4th century AD, and it is about uh, 20 feet below your yeah. feet. But let's move uh, up north now. We're going to move along Stall Street, uh, heading up, uh, up the hill. And, <laughs> towards uh, the colonnades. We're, we're going to uh, come to some bollards crossing the street and at this point I'm going to stand next to a very unremarkable looking <laughs> manhole cover. <laughs> yes. Hello, so I'm back with Stephen here on, on Todd's Time Travel on Summer Valley FM. We're now stood above a manhole, as Stephen pointed out, it is an un, un, unremarkable manhole, but there is a significance behind it, which Stephen will now explain. Yes, um, this manhole is uh, in Stall Street and we're standing directly in front of the uh, main entrance to Primark. <laughs> as uh, you do. So if you stand there and look at the pump, look towards the pump room, uh, uh, you will see this rather nondescript um, concrete and iron manhole cover about halfway across the pavement. Uh, but uh, its significance is that beneath it is a borehole uh, that uh, taps into uh, the supply of hot spa water. And that uh, supply is uh, serving uh, Thermae Bath Spa and uh, it's also uh, providing the supply of drinking, drinking water to the pump room. Yes. Uh, and also yet another fountain for the benefit of visitors to the Roman baths. It's all coming from this uh, point here. And uh, if you go underneath the pavement here, if you can access it from some adjacent vaults, um, then uh, you walk along uh, very damp passages and uh, full of uh, pipework and uh, uh, plumbing fittings and pumps <laughs> uh, and all this kind of equipment uh, to uh, do two things. One, to actually just move the water to where it's going and the other is to ensure that it's a safe supply. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, uh, because uh, uh, hot water just on its own uh, does uh, uh, need careful treatment. Well, yeah. And a special quality of spa water is that the water is untreated. And so this means you have to be very careful with the way in which you manage it. Yes, indeed, because it's more or less a home for bacteria to grow. It could be, yes. yes if, so, if, if left untreated on yes, its own. So, uh, so this is uh, all where it happens here, just beneath the pavement. And in standing here, we're now also uh, just a few feet from the Temple of Sulis Minerva. In fact, if we were to move towards the lamppost in the middle of the street, uh, next to the uh, the big belly solar bin, uh, we will then be uh, standing almost directly over uh, the Roman temple of Sulis Minerva. It's weird to uh, think that there's a, a massive yes, street yes, level difference. Yes, so uh, that temple ran back uh, just underneath Primark uh, and as far as Hawkins Bazaar. <laughs> Uh, and then came out into the street and came nearly to the pump room wall uh, to within just a few feet of the pump room wall 
and indeed if, if you're a visitor to the Roman baths at this point you can actually as you go round see the steps leading up to the temple. You can, it's one of the best parts. You can't see anything beyond no, that. No, unfortunately not. Um, but you get, do get a good view of the courtyard there just before if you were to go into the temple. You do, yes. Yeah, so yes. you get to see like the, um, the sacrificial table for animals, not people. Yeah. <laughs> Big difference between Roman culture and, yeah. and other cultures. Yeah. And also um, just, just the flooring in general from the actual shows you the, the difference between the Roman street level as it was then to the current street level that we're on now. Uh, it's, it's quite frightening because when you're inside the Roman Bass Museum you are quite literally going down step by step yeah. in, a, in a sense to where you originally find where the street level was at that time. Yeah, that's so. So, uh, let's move on to another point now. I think we'll uh, turn right and head beneath the colonnade into the Abbey Churchyard. Hello and welcome back to Todd's Time Travel here on Summer Valley FM. We're still with Todd and Stephen here outside the Roman Baths. We're actually stood outside the pump room at the moment. As many of you are aware, you probably walk past it on a daily basis if you are a resident of Bath. It was actually known as the Grand Pump Room at some point. Um, and there was actually the Pump Room Hotel that was located just opposite here. Um, that was about ooh, uh, yes, where Mountain Warehouse and the Edinburgh Mill and Mill yeah. are, are today. It was yes. once the great, amazing Grand Pump Room Hotel. I wasn't allowed to see it, unfortunately. Well, that fell on hard times. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It uh, was demolished to make way uh, for these fairly nondescript shops, really. Yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, but but uh, yes, we're standing here directly in front now of the Pump Room, in front of the... Uh, uh, glass doors uh, leading on to Abbey Churchyard Indeed. and we're standing uh, just uh, about a couple of metres out uh, from those doors so if you were to come and stand on this spot you would be standing where the front of the pump room was intended to be but where it never was built um, and that's because when you look at the pump room and what you can see are some uh, enormous engaged columns uh, on the facade, the north facade of the front room. But in the architect's original scheme, these projected out yeah. into the churchyard. But um, due to an economy, <laughs> um, the, uh, as always, uh, the, uh, they only got as far as making the foundations for this. Right. So where we're standing, the foundations for freestanding columns are beneath our feet, but the columns themselves are two meters away, yeah. attached to the pump room itself. Wow. They never did make uh, this come out uh, this, far. This, uh, this extension. This was all happening at the end of the 18th century when uh, uh, a building boom was uh, taking place in Bath and uh, it was felt that the pump room simply wasn't big enough for no. the great company that was coming to the indeed. city. Indeed, yes indeed. And uh, so this scheme was put in progress to uh, enlarge and uh, make the pump room more attractive uh, for the visitors at the time. What uh, they didn't know was going to happen was that uh, just two or three years later, uh, war was to break out with France. Um, this was calamitous, really, because uh, uh, it had uh, a very negative effect on trade. And, and finance uh, as well, and, I should imagine. Yes, and uh, indeed, uh, some banks went bust in Bath. 
um, and uh, uh, many building projects were left unfinished. Uh, in, the, in fact, uh, even before the war had broken out, the architect, because uh, uh, things weren't looking good, the architect for the pump room went bust. And, oh dear. Uh, there was a hiatus in the scheme and it was uh, several years after this before the project was finally completed. So it actually took six years in the end to get from uh, laying, laying the first stones Indeed. to the official opening of the pump room. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it sort of shows you that you will find unfinished projects throughout that, though, when, where there's parts yes. that they've started, but then due to unforeseen circumstances yeah. they are not finished yeah. but I know the pump room I, as far as I'm aware the pump room was when it was originally created not on the scale that it was now it was a lot smaller it was when it, it was first a much started. smaller original building but the first one was um, uh, completed in 1706 and uh, people say or dis the description of it and looking at the drawings it's probably right uh, is that it's sort of more akin to a small orangery um, <laughs> than uh, it is to uh, uh, the grand building that's there today. Was it, was it extended twice, is that right, or was it three times? Um, there, there were several extensions in the 18th century. Um, there was some work was done in the uh, 1730s, uh, then in the 1750s, and uh, in 1784 uh, toilets were provided. Um, hey. So it, uh, <laughs> it took 78 years to provide facilities for when the waters began to take effect. Um, but you know, it got there in the yeah, end. In the edge, yeah, in the end. Um, so uh, I think the, what people will also notice as well is the colonnades that connect the two buildings as well, because obviously yes. you have to walk under that to come through into the pump room entrance where you now enter. Yeah. So was this uh, because we're, we're sort of stood in the towards the Towards the abbey, obviously behind us we've got the, the, the Bath Abbey, mm. but the design of the colonnades, was that put in place to, as part of the extension to the pump room or was that designed to...? The, the pump room itself was part of a reordering of the city centre. Um, it was uh, town planning on a grand scale. And so that colonnade running down um, uh, along Stall Street was just part of a scheme, to, a bigger scheme, um, that uh, required a special act of parliament um, and the establishment of town commissioners to realise it, uh, to improve the city centre and make it a more appealing public space. Um, the uh, Bath Street itself, linking the cross bath and the pump room, um, was part of this scheme. Uh, it involved the demolition of a whole series of medieval houses oh, in between the two to link the spa facilities together. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, uh, completely transform, really, the, the centre of the city. What exactly? And I think you were talking about how houses were demolished. I think it is important because, as you probably know more than I do, honestly, that Mary Shelley's house was located. Yeah. Just. Well, shall we just walk yeah, along? Yeah, 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 walk let's along. Let's do that. Let's yeah, just let's walk go. along and talk about that one. Uh, welcome back to Todd's Time Travel here on Summer Valley FM. We're still with Todd and Stephen, and we're still outside the pump room entrance at the moment. Um, we're actually going to be talking about Mary Shelley and her works on Frankenstein, which was majority written within Bath because her house is actually located just about where we're stood now. Is that right, Stephen? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so before the 
well, during the time when the pump room was extended, after Mary Shelley had left Bath, um, her house is no longer standing, unfortunately. So you won't be able to see her house anymore because during the late 1800s, her house was demolished um, due to the expansion of the pump room. But um, no, Stephen, obviously we've had so many people in Bath who've had such an impact on the city's name, but many people probably won't realise that Mary Shelley is one of them. Uh, yes, um, I think certainly until just a few years ago, uh, her connection with Bath wasn't really under, uh, wasn't really very well known. Um, however, the uh, publicity surrounding uh, the bicentenary of Frankenstein um, uh, did uh, rather uh, throw this um, into uh, relief. And uh, the uh, so standing here uh, next to the pump room entrance. Um, we, uh, we're at the point where a house uh, that Mary Shelley lodged in um, uh, that uh, uh, was possibly a bookshop uh, and she was above it, uh, right next to the pump room, um, one stud. And uh, the, she came here uh, having, um, she was very young at the time, she was only 19. Um, and uh, by then she had uh, uh, married the poet uh, uh, Percy Shelley um, and uh, had uh, um, uh, been on travels in uh, Europe with him. Yes. Um, and uh, she, uh, in the course of these uh, travels, um, they seem to have had... Um, uh, literary events and literary evenings where they uh, uh, discussed ideas for novels and uh, poetry. Indeed. Um, and uh, uh, the, uh, amongst these ideas were uh, things to do with um, electricity and uh, uh, the question of whether uh, human life could be reanimated in some way using this marvellous new discovery. Indeed, well, it's very um, new to the period, wasn't it? Electricity yeah. only just more or less be started to use within, yeah. within um, generations. So when she came to Bath, uh, she appears to have been attending some scientific lectures in the city where this idea was also uh, discussed. And uh, uh, the result was the, the writing of the novel uh, Frankenstein. Um, about the doctor who uh, created this uh, awful monster yes, which he yes. animated uh, through the use of electricity. But uh, the, uh, uh, one of the strange and uh, quirky connections uh, with this <laughs> is that uh, the, the bronze plaque that re records this uh, just here outside the pump room is itself located directly <laughs> over the substation for Central Bath, which is uh, uh, producing thousands of watts, which power the whole of Central Bath at the moment. It's a slightly um, ironic statement, is it? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, I just hope there's not a Frankenstein beneath, uh, creature beneath this. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and uh, that substation is here, just beneath the pump room. Um, which, uh, of course, is uh, some uh, quir quirky circumstance that no one would ever have uh, dreamt uh, of at the time she was writing. No. She wasn't here long, um, but uh, uh, she went off to London where the book was published and uh, uh, the, uh, the following January 
but by then the work was substantially complete. Yes, indeed. And unfortunately, she at the time had to publish it anonymously because um, at, at the time women weren't allowed to publish their names on books, although it's well, they would even be published in the first place, which is a shame. But now she's probably one of those well known writers. Yeah, in, in, in our time. Yes, I think so, so. So the fact that she was also here, because I imagine a lot of people, we knew about Jane Austen's work in Bath and, you know, mm. her living in Bath. But I think Mary Shelley, as you said, is more of a newer discovery to what some people might not be aware of. Yes, absolutely. I think that is the case. Many people express surprise when they see this. Yeah. And just uh, didn't, weren't aware of the connection with the city. No, but I think we should um, certainly conclude the interview on the fact that um, one of the largest monuments besides the Great Bath, um, inside the Roman Bath Museum, would be the, um, the Gorgon's Head, or the Temple... Yes, well... The Temple of Benjamin. Uh, now, I, a lot of people are probably going to think that you've, we found that all as one piece, which we didn't. No, we <laughs> found uh, in different, uh, different pieces at different times. Indeed. Um, with uh, some really uh, substantial gaps between them. Um, most of it was found during the excavation of the pump room uh, that took place in 1790. Um, and uh, the, uh, but uh, the most recent piece to be found was uh, in uh, 1981 to 3. Um, during uh, some further work in the pump beneath the pump room and uh, that uh, piece was uh, uh, initially displayed just where it was found uh, but uh, a few years ago it was incorporated into the display in the Roman baths uh, probably uh, the uh, the most famous stone sculpture from Bath by a long mile um, and uh, uh, adopted, of course, uh, by many organisations as a motif. So you see it in the University of Bath um, um, arms and so on. It's just a symbolic mm. symbol for Bath in general. Though, it has. It's yeah, become yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yes. But um, I think we discussed in our last interview that it's it's such a a wild a, a symbol of Bath, but we don't. We don't physically know what it is or, or what it represents. Only theories have been. Yeah, so there've been lo lots of ideas um, put up about it. Um, the uh, uh, to me, um, it's, it's it's not too difficult to interpret. Really, um, uh, I think what you have is uh, a traditional classical symbol. Um, which is the Gorgon, uh, which is, was a protective symbol. Yeah. And so it was often put on buildings as a pr protective omen. Um, and, uh, but it also has an association with the goddess uh, Minerva. Uh, and uh, the, uh, it's quite often uh, displayed on her breastplate or on her shield. Um, and of course we had the Temple of Minerva and it was the Temple of it Minerva was, yeah. so it is sort of quite logical to put the Gorgon on it yeah, but yeah. Uh, the, 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 uh, the challenging element in it uh, is that uh, the image looked very fiercely male Yes. Uh, whereas uh, um, Gorgons were of course female, uh, female. <laughs> and, and also that being a Greek more of a Greek tradition as well, rather yes, than Roman yes, mythology. Al yes, although it was adopted into Roman yes, mythology. Yes, in certain stories as well. Yeah, so, but yeah. there's also because there's a tiny little owl which 
is the animal that represents Minerva as well to sort of show you what gives us that idea that it still is representing Minerva because it is Minerva's mm. temple um, and again like you said on coins as well you'll see like there's owls like one on her shoulder yeah. or certainly like she stood with an owl to represent because most gods or most entities had some form of animal with them to represent who they are, what they stood for. Yes, well, the uh, the owl represents wisdom mm. in this case. Um, the, uh, she was one of the principal deities of the Roman pantheon, um, uh, had many powers, as uh, gods and goddesses did. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, but... Um, uh, that uh, symbol uh, in ancient Greece appeared on coins uh, in Athens and uh, of course her Greek name was Athena um, and uh, her temple in uh, Athens yes. uh, was very famous <laughs> and of course there she was uh, portrayed with the god Neptune who was so uh, who was the god of the sea yes and uh, so to find uh, the Gorgon here having a fiercely male visage um, uh, and lots of aquatic referencing uh, does fit very well with Poseidon or Neptune. Or Neptune, yeah. Um, there's always that link, there's that link, basically. Yes, isn't there there? Is. But, but there's always been, always been a crossover between Roman and Greek mythology. It, it, they might have different powers or they might be very similar in aspects, but there's always been a certain crossover to especially when you look at the solar system, you look at a certain planet, okay, Mars might be that, but then you've got the opposite of version of the Greek or the Roman version. So there's always been that interconnecting link between Roman and Greek mythology. Even though the stories might be very different, the actual gods will have very similar similarities. Yes, they do, yes. The same family, really. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you very much for joining me once again today. Yes, very fun to talk to you once again about Bath and again if anyone is in Bath now you'll know that there's much to discover beneath your feet as there is in front of you as well. Okay. Yeah thank you very much Stephen. Thank you.